Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You move them elsewhere. They shouldn't be in Surrey. Period. More ruffled feathers in a Surrey neighborhood over the peafowl that's taken over the community. We see it as game-changing. The new medical rescue team ready to join B.C. search volunteers to save people hurt in the backcountry. After Thursday, I will no longer be Ontario's premier. And election shocker, Ontario's sitting premier admits her party won't win next week's provincial election. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Glad you could join us tonight. We begin with breaking news. Conservation officers have been forced to kill a third cougar in Port Coquitlam. The big cat was destroyed early this morning near Chelsea Park. Conservation officers confirmed the female cougar was the mother of two other big cats shot and killed in the same area Thursday. The approximately two-year-old cougar was chasing a dog and running through backyards before she was put down. All three cats exhibited aggressive behavior that the Conservation Service says would have escalated to the point of someone being seriously hurt or killed if they weren't destroyed. The animal was an alarming sight for area residents. Last night I saw two individuals that rent uh, quite close to us here that we'd never, I'd never met before. And they had their cell phones out, using them as flashlights. And I came out and asked them if they lost something, if they'd like to borrow a serious flashlight. And they said, we can hear the, a cougar calling. And they make a unique sound that I was unfamiliar with. And I witnessed the sound myself and went in the house, got a high-powered flashlight, and was able to light up its eyes in the park. So the girl called the conservation officers and they didn't have anyone available at the time. There was only one working and they were an hour away. So the RCMP were being dispatched. It stood up, it stood up three feet. And it was, okay, we got a situation going on here. So uh, after the police had arrived, we looked at the end of the street and we saw it enter out into the middle of the road and you saw its whole side profile and just the enormity of it. It was just incredible. The war of words over problem peafowl in a Surrey neighborhood is escalating. For years, residents in a Sullivan Heights community have had to contend with the very noisy and invasive exotic birds. A homeowner even illegally cut down a tree to try to get rid of them. Now another neighbor is being fined for feeding the birds. Julia Foy reports. Their call is unmistakable, their plumage jaw-dropping. But the dozens of feral peacocks that strut their stuff around a Surrey neighbourhood are under fire for a peculiar habit. They are damaging cars as well. <laughs> yes, the latest rant from irate neighbours is that lovelorn peacocks are scratching up their shiny cars. They can see the reflection in it really well. And right now, it's mating season. 
So when they look at the car, they see it as a competing male. It's the latest complaint from some residents who want dozens of the noisy neighbors removed. In May, a battle broke out between homeowners when one neighbor cut down a tree where several birds roosted each night. So many people stop talking to each other now since this problem, you know, the community is kind of divided. So if they can find a, you know, a sanctuary for them, you know, so that uh, it will be under control, that will be much better. The city is planning a community meeting for early July, but as time drags on, the peacock population continues to grow. Neighbors have been putting fishing line above some window wells like this one to stop birds from going into nest. Unfortunately, this neighbor was a few weeks late, and this is the result. One peahen is now sitting on a clutch of seven eggs. For the second year in a row, a peahen has laid eggs on Jerry Barr's front doorstep, and his family loves it. We moved into their neighborhood. It's like moving near an airport and complaining about the airport noise. Neighbors contend one of the biggest issues is that one resident is feeding and providing shelter to the birds year-round. You know, feeding the birds is not permitted at all. Uh, so we have taken action against our property owner and we're continuing to investigate. No one answered the door at the house in question, but the city says the homeowner has been slapped with up to $2,000 in fines and they may be taken to court. In the meantime, if residents own a shiny blue or black car, you might want to invest in a car cover. Julia Foy, Global News. Dozens of protesters opposed to Kinder Morgan rallied on Burnaby Mountain today. The demonstration part of National Day of Action to stop the Kinder Morgan buyout. On Tuesday, the federal Liberal government announced a plan to buy the Trans Mountain Pipeline project for $4.5 billion. From an economic standpoint, it doesn't make sense. The private company doesn't want any part of it. The environment, the concerns there just have not been dealt with. Most of all, we're all here just to say no to this pipeline, to stand up and make a stance. Yesterday, a B.C. judge expanded the pipeline injunction to include other work sites for the controversial project after finding protesters have made a calculated effort to blockade two Trans Mountain work sites in Burnaby. Trans Mountain's lawyer arguing evidence shows protesters are tag-teaming to avoid arrest after police read them the injunction order by leaving the blockade and having another group replace them. And the opposition to the pipeline expansion project followed Finance Minister Bill Morneau in Whistler. That's where G7 finance ministers met for the past two days for talks ahead of next week's G7 summit in Quebec. First responders in Surrey conducting a highly complicated extraction following a dramatic rollover on Scott Road. Surrey and Delta crews were called to the scene at Scott Road and 80th at 1 o'clock this afternoon. It's believed the white SUV struck several cars before rolling onto its roof, shearing a power pole and bringing down live wires. The elderly driver, as you can see, trapped in the car with wires on top of the vehicle. BC Hydro had to turn off the power before the rescue could go on. Crews then used the jaws of life to extract the driver. He was taken to Royal Columbian with undetermined injuries, although he was conscious throughout the process. RCMP remain on scene this hour. We are being told the traffic is still backed up. Meantime, in the interior, a 59-year-old man was hit and killed by a train near Chase. Police say the victim was hit by a train five kilometers west of Chase late yesterday afternoon. He was walking along the tracks and was struck by an eastbound train. 
He was pronounced dead at the scene. The man was in the Lee Creek area northeast of Chase. No name has been released. And sad news about the search for a missing Vernon man. The body of Jordan Mooney was found in Kelowna this morning after six days of searching. The 24-year-old had been reported missing after he left a home in the Dilworth area of Kelowna last Sunday night. On Thursday, his vehicle was found abandoned in a neighborhood between Kelowna and Lake Country. Police say his body was found in the McKinley Heights area this morning. Foul play is not suspected. A duplex in Richmond was destroyed by fire last night. Fire crews responded to the 2500 block of Wellington Crescent at 9 p.m. They found heavy flames and smoke already visible. Two elderly residents were safely helped out of one half of the home by a neighbor. No one was inside the other half. New tenants were set to move in today and already had some of their belongings inside. No word on what caused the fire. It's believed it started on the back porch before quickly spreading to the attic. Due to the nature of the uh, fire being in the attic space, it became very, very difficult to actually extinguish. And uh, again, because it was unsafe for our crews to operate inside, we had to take that defensive posture. Metro Vancouver drivers have been saying how particularly bad it's been trying to get around town in a timely manner this spring. And it's likely only going to get worse if you rely on the Canby Street Bridge. But it's good news if you're a cyclist. Our Paul Johnson joins us from the bridge with details on the construction there. Paul. Guys, if your life has been disrupted because of the street closures that started last weekend on First Avenue in Vancouver, I've got some bad news for you. It's going to get worse before it gets better. We're here on the south end of the Canby Street Bridge, and just behind me, you can see that work crews have closed off portions of the bridge there. What's happening is they're expanding the bike lanes on the southbound side of the Canby Street Bridge, and what that means for right now is they've actually had to close off the exit that gets you down to West 2nd Avenue. This is all part of a big plan to expand the bike lanes and to also separate the bike traffic from the pedestrian traffic. There's a lot of controversy about Vancouver's plans with bike lanes, but interestingly, we talked to some folks around here this morning, and a lot of people were actually quite supportive. I think that's great. I think they're building a bike lane that's safer over top, although you can get over to the other side quite easily already. But, yeah, I'm all for bike lanes. I think it's terrific. I'm all for it. It makes sense, in a way, that they would continue it over the bridge. People are going to ride right over there anyways. And, you know, speaking to this controversy over the bike lanes in Vancouver, a lot of motorists tell us that they find them really aggravating. But over time, we're starting to see usage of the bike lanes grow in a big way. According to the city's numbers, in 2010, you had about 1,900 cyclists a day crossing the Canby Street Bridge. As of last year, that was north of 3,000. So that's some pretty substantial growth in the cycling community here in Vancouver. And as you can see, they're making changes to accommodate them. This work is going to continue for the rest of the month. Back to you. Thank you, Paul. That is Paul Johnson for us in Vancouver. A woman is recovering after falling while rock climbing yesterday in Squamish. Squamish search and rescue volunteers were called out late Friday afternoon after the woman fell between 30 and 50 feet. That's 9 to 15 meters while doing the photophobia climb. The climber in her 30s was hurt but awake and talking. Her climbing partner helped keep her on the small ledge before a longline team scooped her up and airlifted her to safety. She was taken to hospital. The extent of her injuries 
unclear. They are not search and rescue, but they are a resource to anyone who needs help in a remote area. A new advanced life support unit is now in the air serving parts of British Columbia where critical care is not currently available. Kristen Robinson has more now on TEAM. It's liftoff for BC's Technical Evacuation Advanced Aeromedical Society, or TEAM. In essence, they're going to bring like the emergency room to a very remote place that uh, has nothing. First of all, I want to thank everyone for coming. Now live at its Squamish base, TEAM is a non-profit group of paramedics and doctors committed to providing advanced life support care where the BC Ambulance Service can't go. We're focused on industry and remote settings, uh, and so we're actually not a search and rescue team. We are an industrial uh, aeromedical rescue unit. We see it as, as game-changing. Using hoist and long-line equipped choppers, team will fly into logging and industrial sites to rescue injured workers and get them to hospital when seconds count. If you don't have the skills and the equipment and the ability to get that person to the hospital immediately, they will succumb. This simulation involves a patient trapped under a log in the middle of nowhere. Two decades ago, a similar scene played out for Jordan Lawrence on the job, but the subject died after being freed because, he says, top-notch care was absent. It ended up bad, and it didn't have to. Team has a patronage plan in place to help share the cost of its responses among the employers and organizations calling for help. It's also looking for government support for a service it says will save money and lives. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Welcome back now to a shocking development in the provincial election in Ontario. With less than a week before the vote, the incumbent premier and liberal leader Kathleen Wynne conceded she won't be forming the next government. Global's Shalima Maharaj has more on what's behind the surprise announcement. I don't know who voters will choose. That is up to them. But I'm pretty sure that it won't be me. A bombshell admission and an unorthodox play in the home stretch of the Ontario election. After Thursday, I will no longer be Ontario's Premier. With only five days left, Liberal Party leader Kathleen Wynne made arguably the longest walk of her political career on Saturday. If your concern is that you'd be electing me or electing a Liberal government, that's not going to happen. And so we need Liberals at Queen's Park to stop a majority uh, in, for either of the other governments. Though many applauded Wynne's performance in the last televised leaders' debate, her party's performance at the polls has been lackluster by comparison. When asked whether this move was a Hail Mary pass made one year too late. I believed that uh, we had a good shot at this. Uh, this. This campaign is a different campaign than we had expected it to be. You know, I think Doug Ford introduced a, a whole different element into this campaign that we might not have expected. Doug Ford was asked for his take on Wynne's last-minute move. This election is about change. People are fed up of 15 years of waste, scandal, and mismanagement. NDP leader Andrea Horvath's take. This is about the future of Ontario, and I very much believe that a vote for Kathleen Wynne or a vote for Doug Ford gets us to the same place, uh, and that's not a place that Ontarians uh, want us to be. Wynne, meanwhile, remains a Liberal candidate herself in the Don Valley West riding. She vows to keep serving her community, and what capacity remains to be seen. I know there are Liberals who 
believe in us and believe in what we've been doing and what they are doing. And some of them are going to be mad. You know, they're going to be saying, Kathleen, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Talking to uh, everyone in the province. You know, we've, we've got we to think hard. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. Massive wildfires in Colorado and New Mexico have forced the evacuation of hundreds of people in both states. Hundreds of firefighters are on the front lines of the fire in New Mexico. It's grown to more than 27,000 acres rather, and is 0% contained, threatening at least 300 homes tonight. A mandatory evacuation order is in place for nearby communities. And the fire in Colorado has burned more than 1,100 acres and continues to grow just outside the town of Durango. It's also 0% contained, but still forced 1,500 people to leave their homes as heat and wind threatened to drive the flames. Conditions across many parts of the western U.S. tinder dry, escalating the fire danger. A shock for drivers in Huntington Beach, California. A small plane landed on a city street during Friday's rush hour. Dashcam footage shows the Cessna flying low to the ground before successfully landing on the road in the distance. Police say the pilot had to make an emergency landing for an unknown reason. There were no reports of injuries or damage. Responding officers described the pilot as extremely calm and say the situation could have been a lot worse. Federal Aviation Administration is investigating. Quite the but, scene. Yeah, quite the scene. Big turnout to see why there's a plane on the highway. Skill, that's why. Yes. Skill and calm pilots. Yvonne and Barry here. Uh, the weather, nice day. Yeah, it was pleasant today. Today is definitely uh, the nicest out of the bunch for our weekend. Uh, temperatures are very pleasant across the province, but we do have a bit of a change on the way for tomorrow. First off, a look at some of the numbers and what we're sitting at at this hour. For Kelowna at 25 degrees, Cranbrook currently at 21. Victoria at 20 degrees, Whistler at 17, and Prince George with the current temperature of 15. The change is on the way. We will be tracking some wet weather. It's much cooler for the beginning of June. I'll have more on that in the timeline. A few spots also looking at the risk of thunderstorms tomorrow. I'll show you where. All right, thanks, Vaughn. And uh, big game tonight, hockey underway. Game three of the uh, Cup Final in D.C. I've been doing some research. They're very excited about the Stanley Cup Final coming to Washington. You know, they had some championships with the Redskins back in the 80s, but it's been a real dry spell out there. And, uh, you know, the fans are very excited. They've been selling black market seats for $3,000 each there, so it's pretty exciting. They had, I have to say, they pulled out all the stops. They had Sting and Shaggy uh, singing uh, before the game, and you won't believe who read out the starting lineups. I'm not going to say now because I want you to come back and watch me, but it was a bit of a shock, kind of the last guy you'd expect at a hockey game. All right. Two weeks after celebrating the wedding of Prince Harry to actress Meghan Markle, Great Britain is marking another historic occasion. It was exactly 65 years ago today Queen Elizabeth was coronated. One reason why it brings back memories for so many, it was Britain's first coronation to be televised. On June 2nd, 1953, the United Kingdom and the world turned on their new television sets to watch Queen Elizabeth's coronation. CBS broadcast the event from a hangar at Boston's Logan Airport. We are proud to say that you have just viewed the first films of the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II to be delivered to the United States, uh, brought here by uh, CBS. Technology was a bit slower those days. What developed were the images of pageantry and tradition unlike any seen before. We were chosen because we had good figures. Uh, we were the right height. 
Lady Anne Glen Connor walked alongside the Queen as a maid of honor. It was like a production. It was like making a film. You know what I mean? It was also a coming out celebration for the then 27-year-old Queen. She's had 65 years to master that heavily bejeweled crown. She is both the longest reigning current monarch and at 92, the oldest in the world. And she still keeps a busy schedule. She has three engagements over the next 10 days, so she's packing it in. For 92, no signs really of slowing down. Royal correspondent Roya Nika says for a monarchy often seen as a bit stuffy, Queen Elizabeth ushered in an era of change. Under the Queen's reign, the monarch has started paying income tax for the first time. She's heralded in the age of social media to the monarchy, which was very much her doing. There have been leaps and strides in the monarchy under her watch. There's perhaps no better example of the Queen's leaps and strides than her evolving royal family. Elizabeth inherited a throne that once shamed her uncle for wanting to marry an American divorcee. Last month's royal wedding of Prince Harry and American divorcee Meghan Markle was a celebration of love and diversity and a steady march forward along a path paved by the Queen for more than six decades. In health matters, hundreds walked this morning in Richmond to make ALS a treatable and not a terminal disease. The annual Walk for ALS is the largest volunteer-led fundraiser for ALS research across the country. ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, is a degenerative disease that affects about 3,000 Canadians. Life expectancy is usually short, just two to five years, and right now there is no cure. 60% of the money stays here in BC and funds our patient services program provided by the ALS Society of BC. And the other 40% goes to the Canadian ALS Research Program to support our researchers who are working on finding a treatment for this disease. All right, welcome back. An exciting weekend of miracles is about to begin. It's the 31st annual Miracle Weekend in support of BC Children's Hospital. Our Sonia Dial joins us now from the hospital with more on this unforgettable weekend. Sonia. Thanks very much, Jeff. Well, yeah, the 31st annual Miracle Weekend is set to start here in about half an hour. Uh, there are lots of excitement here, lots of people, um, and we're going to be raising a lot of money, of course, for BC Children's Hospital. Look who I found here, our very own Paul Haysom, uh, one of our co-hosts tonight. And um, there's going to be a lot going on, and thought we'd just talk everybody through a little bit of the set here yeah, tonight. Yeah, we want to give you a little bit of a tour here, a, yeah. a guided tour. So this is where the crowd's going to be. They're going to be cheering, they're going to be yelling and screaming. We're going to be raising lots of money. You keep coming over this way. This is where the check presentations are going to be, and it's all about raising that money, right, Sonia? And what's different this year is that, of course, we've got the Tech Acute Centre that opened in November, and we will be broadcasting live from there as well. The phone lines are already open, so start giving now the number. The number is 310-2224-310-BCCH, and please help out if you can. And we will see you live for the 31st at Miracle Weekend, starting at 7 tonight. See you then. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Always a fantastic weekend. Uh, I'll be down there tomorrow morning. Lots of fun, right, Yvonne? Yes, it's lots of fun, lots of um, excitement, and it's just a, it's a great environment to be a part of. So looking forward to it, and of course, it's kicking off this evening at 7 o'clock, so we we'll hope you join us uh, throughout the weekend. Weather-wise, thanks, Jeff, and good evening, everyone. Now, we are still looking at a few breaks in the cloud, but a very different weather picture will start to push in for tomorrow. Still reporting dry conditions out of the airport. There is more cloud cover. Current temperature sitting at 18 degrees with a southwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. High today will be close 
closer to 20, slightly below the average. A record on the Almanac, 31 degrees, was set back in 1970. Today's highs, 25 for areas near Kamloops. Lillooet was closer to 24. Tofino today at 15 degrees. And Prince Rupert climbing up to 12. A few other spots with Nanaimo at 19. Powell River, similar. And Comox today, Port Hardy getting up to 14 degrees. We do have more cloud cover already starting to push its way in across the island. But as we zoom on out, the beginning of June, we are going to see much cooler temperatures. And we've got that increase in cloud cover. This next frontal system is pushing in on the future cast. It's as early as the morning hours for a Sunday. It'll continue for the afternoon, rain and heavy at times, and then tapering off once again. But interior sections will start to see that moisture and rain by the afternoon and continuing for the evening. The piece for tomorrow will be looking at uh, 18 degrees. There is still a slight risk of a thunderstorm for the early evening hours. Monday, Tuesday, a drop in temperatures with only highs of 8 and 9. White Horse up to 15 degrees, more cloud cover tomorrow. Showers developing for the evening on your Monday. Coastal sections remaining unsettled over the next three days. It's on and off rainfall. Most areas near the Caribou and Central Interior will see the risk of a thunderstorm. A chance of showers for tomorrow. Temperatures will be up to 16 and then dry once again for your Monday. Columbia Kootenai will be up to 26 degrees. Most of the moisture is going to hold off until the evening and then rebounding Monday, Tuesday with some sunny breaks and temperatures tomorrow up to 26. Thompson, Okanagan will see the chance for some showers or rain pushing in, but it'll be by the afternoon. A northwesterly wind tomorrow with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Whistler will be up to 13 with on and off rain. It is unsettled. And across the island, we'll see that moisture pushing in as early as the morning hours. It's a soggier day for us tomorrow and much gray. It'll rebound, though, with drier conditions Monday, Tuesday, but quite cool with only a high 15 tomorrow. Jeff? All right, thanks, Yvonne. A Palm Springs couple decided to take the plunge. Then their engagement ring did just that. I go numb, and I'm looking at her, and she's like, did that just happen? Is this a joke? Yeah, I said, is this a joke? He said, I dropped the ring, and I said, stop playing Sean decided to ask for Karen's hand in marriage during a trip to a resort in the San Bernardino Mountains. And when Sean worked up the nerve to pop the question on a ski lift, the diamond engagement ring popped right out of the box, plunging 50 feet down the mountain. They searched, and they searched, but couldn't find it. Fortunately, two resort staffers were persistent and eventually found the ring hidden in some thick brush. The couple is not yet set to wedding date, but they say the staffers who helped find the ring will both be invited. All right, welcome back. Barry's here to take a look at sports. And Barry, I was thinking it's been fun watching LeBron James carry his team on his back the whole playoff run, but Ovechkin has been really doing yeah, the same thing, he, hasn't he? It's been a bit noticeable, hasn't he? He's not just, just that offensive guy anymore. Certainly just the uh, emotional leader for the Caps, and uh, he's doing the job. He's a guy you want to cheer for, I think, now more than ever. All right, thanks, Jeff. The uh, Stanley Cup Finals has already featured some spectacular plays. Most notably, Braden Holtby's larcenous last-minute save in Game 2 to preserve a 3-2 Capitals win. So with the series tied at one, it shifted to Washington, D.C. for game three tonight. The Caps are just four and five on home ice in the playoffs, but they are some kind of excited to be hosting their first cup finals game since 1998. Pat Sajak doing the starting lineups, a longtime cap season ticket holder. They have the Wheel of Fortune theme there with the starters and Ovechkin playing his first Stanley Cup finals home game. Should have had one, but what a save by Mark andre Fleury. Now, the Caps do find the back of the net on this play, but the goal is waved off. Devontae Smith-Pelly 
with the blatant interference on Flurry. I believe that will be uh, part of the NHL video next year. Yes, that is, in fact, goalie interference. Early second, Caps big pressure. Flurry makes one save, but Washington relentless. And finally, it's Ovechkin diving and chipping it past Flurry. That's the only goal of the game right now. One nothing Caps, and they are early in the second. All right, French Open now and Serena Williams starting to find her form and her come back to the court after having a baby last fall. Serena facing 11th seeded Julia Gerges of Germany. First set, Serena chases down the drop shot, spanks it into the open court for the winner, goes up 3-1. Now to set point, Williams has Gerges on the run and it's the overhead smash for the win. Ashley needed two attempts but puts it away on the second, takes the set, Six games to three. Second set. Serena jumping over that weak second serve. Get that garbage out of here. I know that's basketball, but Serena, she's not taking it. Wallops it for the winner in the break. We go to match point. Gurgis's return is long. Serena rolls into the second week at Roland Garros. At 36, she's got plenty of drive left, and she will face Maria Sharapova in the fourth round. And speaking of Sharapova, two-time French champ taking on Karolina Pliskova. First set, Sharapova shaping this point nicely, puts it away with the uh, swinging volley winner. And then Sharapova showing some finesse. Perfect little drop shot here that Pliskova can't chase down. Sharapova hitting on all cylinders in this match today. All facets of the game in fine shape. Return winner here as Pliskova had no answers for the 31-year-old Russian. Now we go to match point. And Maria with the big serve. Took her just 59 minutes to win in straight sets. It should be a classic. Serena and Sharapova in the fourth round Monday. Serena has won 19 of their 21 head-to-head meetings. Men's side, top seed Rafa Nadal going for a record 11th French Open title. Took on Frenchman Richard Gasquet in the third round today. Nadal looks quite unbeatable. He has barely worked up a sweat so far in three matches. Big forehand winner down the line here. Rafa just uses the court so well. His angles, ridiculous. Catches Gasquet off guard here. Wasn't even a Hard forehand, but placed so perfectly. Took the opening set 6-3. Nadal, just 31 years old, has been dominating since he was 18 at the net. Lightning quick reflexes to put away the volley. And then more from Rafa. I guess lightning quick might be a bit of an exaggeration, but he was quick. Court coverage second to none for this guy. And again, just finds the angles, making it look far too easy. Gasquet's no chump. He's a very good player, but uh, Raf has had his number over the years. Match point. Gasquet is long. Match just one hour, 59 minutes. Nadal 16-0 lifetime versus Gasquet. Nadal has lost just 11 games in his last two matches. Now, after the match, Nadal, who had plenty of energy left, decides to play a little rally with the ball boy, who got the uh, thrill of his life. You wonder why uh, Nadal is loved all over the world. He's one of the nice guys. Great gesture here, and you can bet that uh, that young man, who doesn't have too bad of a backhand, will enjoy this moment for the rest of his life. So uh, Rafa adding to his legend today. All right, some golf now. Third round of the Memorial. A tournament Tiger Woods has won five times, but not since 2012. Tiger making a move today on moving day. After eagling the par 5 fifth, rolls in the birdie at 6, gets to 8 under, and then at the ninth, his approach from 126 yards out. 
Nicely done to four feet. Tiger striking the ball well this week. His putting and his driving, probably the two areas he needs to work on. He actually was tied for the lead at one point at 11 under, but his putter did let him down. Missed a lot of short ones, including this one for par at 18 from just three feet. So he sits tied for seventh at nine under, five off the lead, but still in contention for tomorrow. Patrick Kentley had himself a day. Made an ace on the par 3 eighth. No video of it, but this was just as good. Second shot from 225 on the par 5. Smashes a 4-iron, which led to a birdie. He's at 13 under. He'll play in the final group tomorrow, and he'll be joined by Bryson DeChambeau. How about this approach on the par 4 finishing hole? Toughest hole on the course. Takes it past the hole and then brings it back to just a few feet. Made it for birdie. He's the leader at 14 under. Adam Hadwin had a tough day. One over 73. Tied for 74th. Gets one of those MDFs. Will not even play tomorrow's final round. Mackenzie Tour, PGA Canada from Point Grey Golf Club in Vancouver for the Freedom 55 Financial Open. Jordan Nibrishi, fifth hole greenside bunker and nearly holes it. Up and down par there for the American. And then Nibergi again on the uh, 15th from distance for birdie. Pulled away from the field. Six under today at 16 under. Leads by five. Riley Wielden of Richmond. Top Canadian at minus seven. Tied for 10th. Only seven Canadians made the cut. BCAA is giving up to $300,000 to revitalize three play places in B.C. The 10 finalists have been announced, and now it's your turn to vote for your favorite by June 17th. Visit bcaplayhere.com to vote today. Join the 40th annual celebration of Prince Rupert's Sea Fest. There will be a 50th grad class reunion, community music concert, parade, and more. Details at prspecialevents.com. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Shell. Our BC is brought to you by Alpine Credits. Own your own home and need a loan? Get approved in less than 24 hours at alpinecredits.ca. Welcome back. Preseason CFL games are usually pretty uninspiring, but the Lions have to be pleasantly surprised by the performance of one of their new quarterbacks, 25-year-old rookie Lloyd, whose only time with the Lions has been in training camp for a little over a week, came in and threw three third-quarter touchdown passes as the Lions beat the Stamps last night. The kids showed poise and very good game sense, especially for a guy who's just been introduced to the Canadian game. Lloyd came on in the third and got to work right away. Short dump off here to Kevin Elliott, and he's going to take it in for the touchdown. Not a lot of spectacular work from Lloyd, but just a very businesslike and just good execution. After another Lions turnover, Lloyd swings it left side to Trevon Van, spins his way into the end zone, and Van's touchdown put the Leos up 24-23, and he's a good spinner. More from Lloyd. After a block punt, he'll find Ricky Collins in the end zone. Three TD passes for Lloyd, who has to have the inside track for the third-string quarterback. Lions win 36-23, home to Winnipeg for their final preseason next Friday. Whitecaps, for the fifth straight match, scored more than one goal last night. They got two in Denver. 17th minute, Jordy Reyna leading the break, feeds Christian Teixeira who fires at home. Fourth straight goal for him. 1-0 Vancouver. And then the 39th minute, 
Alfonso Davies start things off, and Jordi Reyna will finish his first road goal in the MLS. Caps take it 2-1. They had drawn four straight, so they're now 5-5-5. They're fifth place in the West. They host Orlando next Saturday at BC Place. MLS today, Western Conference clash between Portland Timbers and LA Galaxy. Galaxy strike first, Chris Pontius will find the corner just inside the post, 1-0 L.A. But in the second half, Timbers got a penalty, and it's Diego Valeri converting from the spot, 1-1 the final. Timbers now a point ahead of the Whitecaps in fourth in the West. Also tonight, Toronto FC at Columbus. TFC trying to get their MLS season on track, just 3-7-1 in their first 11, and they look great in the first half, already up 1-0. Victor Vasquez sets up to St. Ricketts for the sliding finish. 2-0 TFC, and then in the second half, Sebastian Javenko with another sublime free kick. 3-0 TFC, but would you believe just moments ago, after a late penalty, Columbus tied it and got a point, 3-3, so TFC's struggles continue. World Cup is in Russia just 12 days away. Plenty of tune-up matches going on around the planet. England-Nigeria from Wembley, seventh minute off the corner. Gary Cahill with the header to give England the 1-0 lead over Nigeria. And then in the 39th minute, England very glad that Harry Kane is fit to play in this World Cup. They will be depending on him to score the bulk of their goals. Nice play there in the 39th to make it 2-0 England at the half. But Nigeria got one back early in the second half. Alex Awobi, after one hit the post, will put in the rebound to make it 2-1. But that's the way it ends. England will open their World Cup against Tunisia on June 18th. Panama and Belgium are also in England's group. And little baseball, Jays and Tigers. Toronto have lost four straight. Trying to bump that slump in Detroit. And Yanjervis Salarte puts them in good shape with this solo shot in the fifth. So 4-2 Toronto. Check this out. Jay reliever uh, John Axford going old school, taking the golf cart ride from the bullpen to the mound. They used to do that all the time in the 70s and 80s. Not so much anymore. Pitched two scoreless innings, but the rest of the bullpen could not hold it. John Hicks bases loaded a single in the eighth as the Tigers win 7-4. Jays have lost five straight. Mariners host or home tonight, rather, to Tampa Bay. All right, welcome back. Soccer fans are all gearing up for this month's World Cup, including trying to predict who's going to win. And that includes that guy, Achilles the Cat. The white feline has been busy studying the teams, studying them very close, heading to Russia for the football showdown. He lives in Russia. He's deaf, so he's not so easily distracted as he chooses between two bowls of food, each bearing a team flag. And he has some big shoes or tentacles to fill. His predecessor, Paul the Octopus, became an international celebrity in 2010 after he correctly picked the eventual winner, which was Spain. The team that smells like tuna usually <laughs> wins. <laughs> and this one's for Yvonne. A zoo in southern China is helping their pandas beat the summer heat. Zookeepers are feeding Chin Chin and Ai Ai with cool treats like iced carrots and apples. Mm. Mm, that's, that's for you, Barry. <laughs> the animals... Also have special ice cushions in their outdoor enclosure to lie on. Pandas have a low heat tolerance. They can suffer heat stroke if the temperature is more than 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Zookeepers are also using pools, mist sprayers, umbrellas, and air conditioning to keep those pandas cool. Very important to keep your pandas cool, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, everyone. Miracle Weekend is starting right now.